Podcast is proudly brought to you by ACPE. If you're a sports lover or would like to pursue a career in sport, ACPE is a study option for you. Uh, they have many degrees, health, applied fitness, sports coaching, sports business. Take your pick. There's plenty of options on their website. If you're interested to find out more information about these potential study options, please go to acpe.edu.au forward slash Hockey New South Wales partner. Uh, their team, they're super friendly and there's a little contact us tab on the right hand side there of that page. So they'll be more than happy to help you with any questions you have. Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Beyond Hockey. Uh, as usual, I've got my partner in crime, Richie Willis. Richie, welcome. Great to talk to you, Jimmy. Uh, some great news today. Uh, hopefully, we've got a reduced restrictions here in Tamworth, so looking forward to maybe getting out and around a little bit. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely for you anyway in some of the regions. Uh, good to hear. We've got a special guest on today, another Olympian, Grace Stewart. Grace, thanks for giving up your time and talking to us today. Thank you for having me. I'm very privileged to be here. <laughs> It's a lie anyway. That's definitely a lie. But okay. um, we'll move on. We'll start with a bit of a hockey questions. Richie Willis will take over some hockey questions because I know absolutely nothing about it. So, Richie, take away. Probably before we go to hockey, uh, Grace, second Olympics. Um, yeah, fantastic achievement for a young athlete like yourself growing up in Gerringong, uh, moving over to Perth and then representing the Hockey Roos. Uh, second Olympics, what was the difference that you found between um, your first and second Olympics? Obviously COVID, but let's talk a bit about hockey if you can as well. Yeah, I think COVID played a massive part in the difference of my experiences between Rio and Tokyo, only because it felt like um, the Australian community just got around it so much more. So just the support we had from back home over this Olympics was just overwhelming and like really, really appreciated. And I think for me, that was a massive difference feeling that over there. But then in terms of hockey as well, yeah. I mean, similar result, unfortunately, but like the lead up to that final game was just so different. Like we were playing so well, enjoying it. Um, and I think that showed and I think that's why the hockey community got around us. And yeah, I think overall the experience for me was, yeah, much better than Rio. And yeah, I just really enjoyed it a lot more. And I think when you're winning games, that definitely helps. When you're yeah, over so, there, sorry, Richard, when you're over there, Grace, is a bit, um, you're saying that obviously the Australian community here will get behind all the Olympic teams and especially the hockey community. Was it over there pretty similar, like compared to Rio where, um, I guess you could do anything in Rio, obviously, compared to, to this Tokyo one. But in the Tokyo one, you see a lot of videos in that little community of the Australian, all the teams and all the individual athletes getting behind, watching the TVs and stuff. Was that a bit of a difference? Was that noticeable? Yeah, super different. I think because we weren't able to go out and watch sports, everyone was hanging around the village and you weren't allowed out in Tokyo. So you didn't really have anything else to do but sit there. I mean, I love watching the sports, but for other athletes, everyone was just sitting around in this one area, watching all the teams, getting around it. And yeah, like pretty special moments when like, I remember being down there when some of the swimmers won gold and everyone's getting around each other cheering, but then like teams would walk back in and if they'd won medals, people would cheer them as they walked in. Yeah, I think there was a real camaraderie around the whole Australian team because I guess, yeah, we couldn't be out doing things. So we were just there supporting each other, which was, yeah, a really nice feeling. So, Grace, let's move on to a hockey memory from Tokyo uh, or a memory. Uh, you've spoken about in the village and watching the swimmers win, but do you have a favourite memory of your time in Tokyo? Um, I think my favourite game in Tokyo was our match against China. I think 
Um, in previous games against them, we always struggle and it's always a really close game. But for us to win, was it 5-1 or 6-1? I'm not sure, but that's a big win for us and that was super special for like, yeah, it just felt like all the hard work had paid off and especially as a striker when we're all scoring lots of field goals, it's, yeah, um, that was definitely a highlight for me. And also I'll add in, I got a photo with Paddy Mills, so that was definitely a highlight around the village. <laughs> he was a king over there, wasn't he? I know everyone around here back home was getting around him. It was good to see. Uh, good to see the Booms actually do quite well as well. Yeah. Now, Grace is such a role model for athletes growing up. Um, one of the questions uh, they're really keen to know is, what does a normal day look like in the Olympics? We hear you had three COVID tests a day. Was that true? Or give us a rundown what a normal day looked like heading to a match. No, not three COVID tests. We had one every day and it was the most horrific experience for me because you had to spit into this test tube and get like a certain amount of spit and I'm just not good with that stuff. So it would take me ages and I'd be out on the balcony gagging and all the girls would laugh at me, but I got better by the end. So every morning before you ate, you had to do that. And then um, we were pretty lucky, the Australian um, Olympic team staff, I guess you call them, um, set up a massive kitchen hub in our um, building. So we didn't have to walk to the dining hall for breakfast and lunch, even if you wanted to. So we'd have um, breakfast food in our room. And then I guess it depends if it's game day or training, but generally some meetings throughout the day um, and then either training or going off to the game. So pretty chill um, mostly and just like relaxing and stuff. But it was good because we went over there not sure what we're going to be able to do. We didn't know whether we would just literally have to sit in our room all day. Um, but once we got there, it was much more relaxed than we thought, other than having to wear a mask and like sanitizing every 10 seconds. Um, it was pretty much just a normal day, which was pretty good. So it sounded like you, you felt quite safe and you had a lot of opportunity to mingle with the other, others, the uh, other Australians. Um, let's, let's go deeper into the hockey side of it now and talk about, what does Grace Stewart do around preparation for a match? Let's give some of the younger athletes some idea around what you do. Do you Are you one that likes to jump up and down and, and dance around or are you a quiet one? What do you think about your match? Give, give us a bit more of a hockey detail of Grace. Yeah, so I guess it depends whether it's an early game or a late game, the way I'm leading. So we had a couple of early games over there, which I'm not a massive fan of. I definitely prefer the later games and get the slow build up to the game, but Throughout the day, I'm definitely just a chiller. I like to just lay on my bed and just spend a lot of time scrolling through um, Instagram or TikTok just to take my mind off the game, I guess. I don't like to think about it too much throughout the day. And then we'll often have our team meeting, like if it's an early game, it'll be like an hour before we leave. And then if it's a later game, probably around two and a half hours before we leave. So that's when I really start to, I guess, focus in on the hockey and yeah, take everything in there. But then... I love listening to music as well as it gets closer. So it's about an hour before the game and I was in a room with a bunch of girls who were pretty similar to me. So we'd have the speaker blaring in the room by then. Felt a bit rude on the early morning games because the Olympics, the walls aren't very um, thick. So the neighbours probably weren't happy with us and our music, but uh, we had to do what we had to do, I guess. Um, so listen to music then and then get on the bus and I do love a bit of a sing-along. John Farnham, You're the Voice is my um, specialty. Um, but then again, yeah, get into the change rooms and we have to do things like weigh in and do certain things that we have to tick off. So that's when I really try and like, yeah, get my head in the zone. And there's always music on then, but everyone's kind of just chilling around, just focusing in and yeah, getting ready 
to go, I guess. Any superstitions for your bike race? Uh, no, I don't. I used to always wear a yellow ribbon, but I kind of grew out of that. Um, so, yeah, I used to have lucky grass um, that I'd play with down my undies when I was younger. So it was funny. We got all these letters from our families over there, which was pretty special, like families and friends sending in letters. And my little brother sent me over a piece of grass. So I probably should have played with it. It might have helped us out, but I, I didn't. <laughs> That's all awesome, that one. I'm not sure what TikTok is in the grass pits. I'm not sure where that comes from either. So we'll park that. I, I need a little bit more deeper in the hockey. So, Grace, would you take three, as a striker, do you have three hockey tips that you would give to the athletes? Is it getting to the back post? Is it taking a shot? Is it working in the press? What, what's your, what do you think Grace Stewart's really good at in that role? Yeah, I think personally my game is built around like work rate and effort and something Trini has been speaking to me about a lot is like I kind of bring something a bit different to the other girls. I'm definitely not the most skillful in the team, but I, um, yeah, I think my game's based around work rate and effort. So especially in the press, like as a striker, sometimes it's hard to get the ball, but um, you got to go get it yourself, I guess. And that's something Trini's really brought into our team the last few months is just, yeah, the strikers, we should be making more tackles than the, than the defenders getting up and in their faces and winning the ball. So that's one thing I like to focus on. And then for me in the circle, it's, yeah, if you get the chance, take the shot, but being ready for everything. And I think the scramble, like one of the goals I scored there was just like diving, just like being ready on your toes to make the most of whatever you can. And then another big one for me is just selflessness. Like, being the one who makes the lead out wide, you might not get the ball, but it's so important for the rest of the team. So uh, that's what I try to build my striker game off. It's a little bit different to being the flary, skillful one who beats five players because we have those guys and without them, sometimes they get the ball. I'm like, just go yourself, just do what you do. But um, yeah, I guess everyone brings different things to the team and just knowing what your strength is and how you can play your role. So, Jimmy, I know you've got some really good other questions, but I've got to keep going here while Grace is on fire with some hockey stuff. And you mentioned Katrina Powell. Trini Powell took on the role as Hockey Roos coach. Uh, I'm fairly sure that she was the N-Swiss coach as you were growing up through New South Wales teams, AAP, into N-Swiss before you transitioned to Perth. Um, yeah, what influence has she had? and Or do you have an influence or a mentor that you you fall back to? Yeah, I think I've said it before. I owe like so much of my success to Trini. I think, yeah, as you said, I had her as a coach coming through and I loved it because one, she's a striker. So some of the defenders might not have loved it as much, but we were always doing like some pretty great striking drills. But even just like off the field, she's just been so great for me. And especially in the last few months since she's transitioned into the hockey ruse coach, I think what she's done for this team has been pretty incredible. I think She's obviously been here before, won gold medals, and everyone just has so much respect for her. Like when she speaks, like everyone is just all ears, taking, hanging on every word she says. And um, yeah, I think she, I'm hoping she goes for the job and gets the job because, yeah, I just think that what she's done in a couple of months is pretty incredible. So I'd love to see what she can do for all of us in a few years, I guess. So, Grace, you're um, over in WA because uh, they're open and free and you can get around and head to the beach and all those sorts of things. Um, but let, what motivates you to continue at that level and, and you're going to strive to continue to go on being a hockey roo? Um, yeah, what motivates you? 
Yeah, I think it's definitely just the love for the game. I guess we've had a big break at the moment and especially after the disappointment from Tokyo, I wasn't sure whether I'd want to get back into hockey so soon or what I was going to do. But I went out to my club game the other day and I was like, oh God, I just want to be out there playing. Like, I just love this. And I think I've had times over the years where I've been like up and down the program and not loving it so much. But then I always just come back to like, how good is this? Like, this is what I get to do every day, come out and train with my best friends and play for Australia and travel the world. Like it's, um, yeah, pretty privileged position to be in. And um, yeah, I just love, it's weird, but I love exercising and I love training and yeah, I wouldn't want to be doing anything else at the moment. So whilst I can, I'm yeah going to make the most of it and do everything I can to continue. Sorry, Rich, I just got on the, you talk about the love for the game, which I think it's it's easier said, I reckon. Um, how do you kind of maintain the love? Such a high performance level requires such, you know, dedicated training times and it's a lot of effort, a lot of sacrifices. How do you kind of maintain the love for the game without, you know, those sacrifices for, especially growing up, going through the system, the pathway, it's, you know, you don't have your weekends out, you, you know, you see yeah. your friends, but you, you've got to make a lot of sacrifices for that. So how do you maintain that, I guess? Yeah, I think growing up for me, I'm not sure I made a lot of sacrifices, but now I'm here, I'm like, God, they were 100% worth it. So that's kind of one thing I'd say to younger kids is like, yeah, at the time you might be missing out on a few things, but once you get here, you don't really care about those couple of parties you missed out on to go to training in Sydney. Like some days I'd have to get up at 4am on a Sunday and drive up to Sydney for training, but yeah, so worth it now. And I think like I was saying, there's definitely been times where I was struggling in the program. Like there was like a whole year where I'd didn't make a team and I was just over here training with like six other girls who weren't making the teams and that was pretty tough but like I said it's just like reflecting on why you're doing it and like for me it was more like who I'm doing this with and yeah just remembering the joy that I get out of it when I am playing well and when I am in the team so um it's a tough one but yeah not not too sure if I answer your question there or not. No, no, that makes complete sense. Again, it was just because you, as I said, those hard parts are the ones I reckon where you you struggle for the love for the game um, and talk yeah. about as they're reflecting on why you do it and why you're there and, and all those efforts, I think really answered the question for me. That was great. James, let's roll back before you were selected to go to your second Olympics. Grace, um, uh, tell us what happens. Were you excited? Were you obviously excited, but um, did you get an email? Did you get a phone call? Were you sure you were going? I know you were injured up to that period. Let's let's delve into that and the, the tenseness of actually getting selected. Um, that was like the most stressful two months of my life, I think, like because um, I had been training and playing quite well in the lead up, but you're just never sure. And then unfortunately tore my hemi doing in a club game right before we were about to go to New Zealand and Obviously, due to COVID, we'd been able to play zero international games. So everyone kind of knew. And it had been said by the staff that, like, these games in New Zealand are essentially, like, where the team's being picked from. And this is everyone's chance to put their hand up. And to know I wasn't playing in them was very, very tough. And especially just having to sit on the sidelines and watch was difficult. But I guess I was just trying to do everything I could in my rehab to get back and Luckily enough, my performances beforehand had helped me and paid off. But, yeah, I can't tell you. the rel- It was more relief than excitement when I first read the email. So we get an email and I live with Mariah, who's obviously in the team as well. But 
she's obviously was kind of a given you knew she was going and I was like there's no way I can be at home with you right now when this team list comes out so I'm like I'm going to the beach just leave me alone if I don't make the team I'm probably not coming home for hours and just know I'm fine but don't talk to me so I drove out to the beach and I went for a walk and then it was like five minutes before the list was coming out and I was just pacing up and down this car park like hurry up hurry up and then it finally came through and like obviously saw my name and like relief. Then I messaged all my family. But then I was like, was my name really there? So then I had to like go back into the email, check I was there again. And yeah, it's um yeah, definitely a relief, but also then like just so much excitement and happiness. And then I drove to um Rosie, who's probably my best friend in the team's house. And like we'd been dreaming of this for a few years to, so, you know, make the Olympic team together and go to Tokyo together. So we celebrated together and yeah, it was a yeah, very special day. That's excellent. Um, I've actually got a hockey one, Rich, surprisingly. Um, you're talking about before your strengths at the moment, your work rate and those little 1% things that you're doing. Were they always your strengths or have you found a bit of a, a progression from, I guess, your pathway through, I guess, hockey in South Wales into your, the um, hockey roos? Has anything changed in your game there or what's um, the biggest kind of difference you've noticed? I think it's definitely changed a little bit because I used to play a lot of midfield when I was younger. So I was definitely a lot more of a ball runner. And I think as I progress through the ranks that the game obviously gets harder and more difficult. So then I did have to change my game a little bit, I think. Um, trying to get a little bit of that back into my game at the moment. But, um, I mean, definitely it was always work rate and they were definitely still my strengths. But, yeah, as I progress to striker, it's definitely a lot more difficult to be that ball runner when you're often in, like, two-on-one situations on the baseline or things like that. So you have to work out other ways to um, beat the defender and play. So, yeah, it's definitely evolved a little bit, mostly because I've switched positions since I've come into the hockey roots. But I think it's taken me time to get to where I am now in the team. There's definitely, yeah, a lot of inconsistency in my game over the last few years, but I feel like now I'm getting to a place where, yeah, I'm on the up, hopefully. We'll see once I come back after this break. Who knows what I'll be like. Grace, um, I'm sure Jimmy and I have got thousands of young athletes listening to our podcast, <laughs> Jimmy. Um, but what – and before Jimmy goes to asking some more about who was your favourite besides Paddy Mills in the village, um, tell one bit of advice you'd give a younger Grace Stewart. What's the most important bit of advice someone gave you or what would you be passing on to a younger Grace Stewart when you were just turning 16 or 17? Um, I think probably goes back to the one earlier of the sacrifices, just knowing that they would be worth it and I guess knowing how much hard work it will take. But, again, like all those running sessions my dad used to make me do and <laughs> all that kind of stuff, it's like it's definitely worth it, I think, yeah regardless of whether you make it to the hockey ruse or not, I think it's one of those things where if you give it everything and you put in a hundred percent, then you'll know you gave it everything. So whether you make it or not, you won't be disappointed with yourself, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect answer. That I reckon um, I'm going to touch on, I just want to know like your room configurations and that the Olympics. I'm going to touch on that a bit more. Cause we talked to Dill Martin before. I think he had six bikes in his room and that type of stuff. How, how was your room? How are the beds? All those little things that I'm just intrigued about the Olympic village to be fair. Yeah, so we had six in our room as well, so three bedrooms and two girls in each room. I think we only had one balcony, but one girl's room had three balconies, so that's great because they were able to really spread out, whereas ours was, like, very congested. But 
Um, I think my roommate and I got the smallest room out of everyone, which is probably the worst thing because she is an absolute mess. So that was Rosie and she is just the messiest person ever. But I'm kind of known as the like the neat freak of the team. So all my stuff is like perfectly set out and super neat. And then you look at her side of the room and it's just like a shambles. But that's fine. We always room together. So we know it works. And I just let her go and I keep mine all nice and neat. Um, but yeah, we just had a table and chairs in the middle of, of the room. And then no, there was this big space. And I was like, oh, this would be perfect for a lounge and a TV. But we didn't get those, but we did get like um, extra mattress toppers you could put on your bed, but some of the girls didn't want to use them. So we made a makeshift lounge room in our room and we laid them out in the spare space. And then um, we also bought a projector. So we projected onto the, because we had big white walls and then we were able to um, watch all the games. So we spent a lot of time in there just watching all the sports on our TV. So that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, six in a room, it's squishy, but it's also good fun because sometimes you go away in your room by yourself or just with one other, but it's, I always really like being in a big room with lots of people. I was going to say, cause you go from six in a room to then two weeks in isolation when you got yeah. back in, how was your, uh, how was your isolation experience? Do you have any routines in there or how did you spend your time? I mean, I was pretty grateful that isolation's on your, on your own, because I don't think I could have spent two weeks in that space with someone um I started off isolation and I just did nothing I was pretty happy to just lay on the lounge and do nothing that was when the Olympics were still on so I had something to watch um which was kind of sad sitting in your hotel room watching the games you wanted to be playing in but anyway um and then but then I had to start moving so we had our room was 15 meters long so every day I made myself run 2k's up and down the room it was super slow, but I was like, oh, just do it. I'll fill in some time. And then I just walk up and down the room listening to podcasts. And some days I do like a little bit of exercise, but I didn't really want to sweat a lot in there. because I was like, this is so gross. I have to live in this room and then sweat in it. And uh, so I did a little bit of exercise, but not much, but I actually took up reading as well, which is strange for me because I haven't read since like primary school, which is a bit embarrassing. <laughs> and I don't recommend that to any kids listening, but um, yeah, it took up some reading, which was nice. And then, yeah, it actually flew by because calling people and just the meal times, not that they were great, but they take up time. So it wasn't the worst thing I've ever done. What did you read, Grace? Come on. Um, I read The Happiest Man on Earth, um, which was really good. I enjoyed that. And then the Bridgerton series. Um, for anyone who's into that, I was reading that, which I'm quite into. So, yeah. That's excellent, I reckon, because I was going to say that was uh, that was the tricky part. I reckon, like I talked to, again, we had, we had Dylan on the podcast there earlier and he was talking about, again, he just played PlayStation for two weeks straight, just about like just kicking back, doing your time. What was the first thing you did when you got out of isolation? Oh, God, I can't even remember. I think I, I just, just, oh, actually, I know what I did. And everyone was like, you're crazy. I literally came home walked in the house and just unpacked everything and sorted my life out because of my OCD traits. I just had to just unpack it all. And I like literally put, oh, cause we'd been hand washing for weeks because at the village, like you can go to the laundry, but it wasn't in our building. So you'd had to mingle with all other countries who weren't, you didn't know what they were doing about COVID. So it was pretty scary. Plus like it takes days for your stuff to come back and they lose it sometimes. So we literally just hand washed everything. And then in isolation, I mean, quarantine, you didn't have a washing facilities either. So been hand washing for like a month. And I was like, I'm just tipping all of this stuff straight into the washing machine. So that was nice. 
so that's what I first did. But then as a team, we had a little bit of a celebration. We went on a wine tour together, I guess, just to celebrate all the hard work over the years, which was, yeah, good and nice and fun. And then I went on a holiday to Broome, which was also beautiful. So I've been living it up for the last few weeks, but last week I um, had to snap back into reality and start back uni and trying to find some work and yeah, back into it now. So that's a bit sad, but anyway. Back into the grind. Um, Mm -hmm. I've just got one last one from my point of view. What's next on your horizon? What's your, I guess your your last kind of two to three years you've been looking for this Olympic spot. Um, And so what's next? What do you turn your focus to? Well, it's a bit sad because we were all looking forward to playing hockey one, obviously, and getting back with our state sides and, you know, the girls you come through the ranks with and playing with them again. So that's disappointing that we won't get to um, play that because lots of us were, yeah, looking forward to having that. Um, So now we're just doing a lot of running, which is nice, not really. Um, And then I guess for me, yeah, next year, the World Cup and Com Games is pretty big tournaments for us and especially World Cup, I think. It was disappointing at the Olympics. We didn't get to end up playing like the Dutch and teams like that, who we would have loved to see how we went against. Um, And I think, yeah, meddling at a big tournament is a goal for us. Like we're playing good hockey, but we've not quite, well, we haven't um, reached our goals yet. We haven't won a medal at a major tournament for a few years. So I think that's definitely what's driving me at the moment. And yeah, um, I mean, hopefully Paris 2024, but that's still a little while away, so we'll see. <laughs> Sounds like the hockey roos are in a great space, James, when you hear Grace speak about the job's not done. And, uh, yeah, we're all uh, yeah, very disappointed for the girls because we could see the hard work that you put in over in the Olympics and we all love success. But, uh, yeah, see so your hunger to really rectify that and get some results at the Com Games or World Cup is really good. But Grace, you're an amazing young lady that's come from New South Wales and Gerringong all the way to representing the Hockey Roos. And I just want to thank you for being such a great role model for all the athletes here in New South Wales and wish you all the best. And hopefully the borders open up very soon and we can see you back in New South Wales. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. And yes, I would love to get back to New South Wales. It's actually um, sad at the moment because I'm going around to schools and stuff here, but I wish I could be doing that in New South Wales and inspiring those people back home. But hopefully one day soon. I really appreciate your time, Grace. Thanks for this. Thank you.